You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. How many of you would say, boy, I could use a touch from Dr. Jesus today? And I, I realized that. We've been stretched this year. That's been our theme for the whole year. Beginning of uh, January, we've, we've talked about how we are being stretched from being fans of Jesus to being true followers of Jesus. And today we're beginning a new series. We're talking about how Jesus stretched out his hands to touch broken bodies and tormented minds and lost souls. We're going to do that for three weeks, and then we're going to go into uh, the rest of our, our, our Lent season leading up to Easter and talk about how Jesus' hands were stretched out on the cross for us. And, and this is something we're going to do. Beginning next week, every service in the season of Lent, we are going to have communion available for you. And it's all going to culminate on Good Friday evening. Something we've never done is a Good Friday evening a special worship experience that will focus on Christ's sacrifice for us. So it's going to be great. I want you to mark that evening uh, for about an hour of a special worship celebration on that Good Friday evening as we lead up to Easter. So can't wait. Uh, Just saying Easter makes me feel better already, right? Uh, I'm standing by a pool here this morning, and how I wish it was a much bigger pool in the tropics. And, and rather than the pool, how about a big body of water, right? With waves coming and lapping on the shore. And instead of me speaking this morning, I, I would be sitting on my nice lounge chair with my glass, sunglasses on and a good book in my... Let's all close our eyes for just a minute. Let's escape. escape. I know I'll lose most of you in doing that. But there's something healing and restorative about being by a body of water, isn't there? I don't know what that is. It's just when the, when the waves are lapping on the shore, it's like with each wave coming on the shore, there's one less degree of stress just being washed away. And seems like all the things that, that weigh us down just get washed away by the waters. Today we're going to be baptizing people at the end of our time. And, and we're by the healing pool where this water is all about healing us from our sins. It's all about washing away our past. It's all about cleansing us from uh, a life that was apart from God and giving us a new start and a new, fresh, clean slate. So if you've not been baptized since you believe, we are able to do that for you today. And we have a set of clothes and towels for you. So if the Spirit's speaking to you, then don't hesitate. At the end of the service, we'll give you opportunity to step out and be baptized. So, uh, um, so yeah. But today I want to preach a message. We're going to be talking about different ways in which Jesus heals in the next three weeks. And today I want to talk about a body of water, a healing pool, as a matter of fact. And if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn to the Gospel of John in chapter 5. And we're going to focus on that <clears throat> this morning. John chapter 5, Jesus has uh, come up to Jerusalem, and it says it's time for one of the Jewish festivals. And and so beginning, I'll just read it. It says, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, uh, 
And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, we'll stop there and we'll pick it up. But I want you to get this. Imagine now a different body of water. Imagine you're back in time now. Imagine you're in Jerusalem, an arid place, a high elevation, but usually dry weather, and it's probably summertime, and it's a festival where the city of Jerusalem is crowded with people. There is a sheep gate. What is a sheep gate? That's where the people would come to bring their animals for sacrifice. They'd bring their sheep to be sacrificed. That was part of their religious worship. They would go. They would have their their prized lamb, their prized sheep sacrificed, and uh, that was an act of honor and celebration in a sense of, of, of God, we're giving something back to you. We believe the scriptures of the Hebrew scriptures taught us that in that sacrifice <clears throat> that, uh, that sins could be forgiven, that, that our lives can be made new. But near this place of sacrifice was this pool. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, they've uncovered what they believe is this pool, this pool of Bethesda. And uh, Bethsaida, I think, is how it's pronounced in other, other versions of the Bible. But, but this, this place of Bethesda. And Bethesda, in the Aramaic, the language uh, uh, of the day, was, uh, it was called a house of mercy. So it's a place of mercy. So imagine you're coming, with, you're coming to celebrate the festival. Maybe you're bringing a sacrifice to be sacrificed on the altar there. And after the sacrifice, maybe you go down to this healing pool, this place of mercy, where you could go and be washed and be, 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 start new and have a new beginning in your life. But as you come down to this healing pool, you see it's surrounded by all these invalids, all these disabled people. It's a beautiful setting. All these Roman columns, these porch, a porch over top of them, porch, I mean rooftops and porch around them, and, and the people are there hoping against all hope that they could be the first one in the pool whenever the water, uh, there's a little, little, little wave in the water. Now, in some of the versions of the Bible, it has this in verse 4 and other versions that, you know, some of the early manuscripts we have don't have this, but, but there was a legend in those days that uh, this, wa- this pool that was most likely spring-fed when the water would be stirred, there was this legend that there was an angel that was stirring the water. It might have been just a current coming up, I don't know, but they believed that an angel stirred the water and the belief was the first person in would be healed. I don't know where that comes from. It was just a, a legend of the day. And so these people who were so desperate were hoping for that to happen to them. And... Uh, and so you come in and you, you see this place that's just packed and surrounded by all these people who are desperate. And notice it says that Jesus walks into that place. And so what I want you to think about the fact is, Jesus comes to Jerusalem, he could have very easily neglected all the people that were there. He could have, he could have avoided this place. But he goes to the place where people are broken. He goes to the place where people are broken. He comes to your life in the place where you are broken. The Bible says that God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. Too many people avoid Jesus because they think they have to be good enough to come to Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus comes to the places where we're not good enough. 
And so until we are open and honest about our brokenness, it's hard for us to find the healing of Jesus. And these people were not hiding their brokenness. They were, it was obvious to all. They were there to find mercy. They were there to find healing. And, but Jesus comes to the broken. He seeks those who are broken. He's seeking you in the places of your life where you're broken. Don't hide from Jesus your brokenness. He's the doctor that comes for the sick, not for the well. So don't hide your, your faults, your broken. I'm not talking about just your physical brokenness. I'm not talking about your, your broken body, your aging bones. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your brokenness in your heart, your broken heart, your broken, your wounded spirit. I'm talking about your, your, your broken soul that's separated and lost. And maybe your, your, your broken at, um, behavior and addictions and things that you know aren't right, that Jesus is willing to seek you out. The Bible says that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Like the good shepherd where the one sheep strayed, Jesus went after the one that strayed. And if you're here today and you're far from Jesus, you know what? Don't avoid Jesus. Let him come and seek you out and find you and bring you back home. Not only does Jesus seek the lost, I think now, as we read this story from our vantage point, we realize that theologically, scripturally, we, the church, are now the body of Christ. We are now the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think we must pose the question, if Jesus sought after the broken, are you willing to go to the broken? We tend to avoid problems, don't we? We don't like the Debbie Downers at work. We're, not gonna, we're, we're gonna avoid their problems. They have a problem, I'm not gonna bring it up. You, you know, but, but how many people are just needing somebody to listen and somebody to say, can I pray for you? When was the last time you prayed for a coworker? When was the last time that you met somebody in the neighborhood that shared their tragic story and you just wanted to run because it was so uncomfortable for you? But instead of running from them, Jesus comes to them. And I believe that as the body of Christ, we should be the people in our workplace that's willing to pull somebody aside and say, would you like me to pray with you? And lay a hand on them and pray for them if they say yes. Not if they say no, but if they say yes, then pray for them. Pray for them. So Jesus seeks the broken. We should seek the broken too. If you're sensing where in your life you're broken, then I want you to know that Jesus is seeking after you. So notice what happens next. When Jesus saw this man who had been broken in this condition for 38 years, and by the way, that was a lifespan back in those days. Now, you lived to be 40. You were old back then. Does that make you feel older? <laughs> All of us are over 40. It's like, we already feel old enough, but that just really hit us. But you were old back then. That was a lifespan between 40 and 50 years of age was the average lifespan. So, so, so this guy had been there perhaps his whole life. And, and Jesus saw him lying there. He learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he, and, and he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? That seems like the silliest question that Jesus ever asked. Who doesn't want to get well? Well, I don't think it's as silly as it might sound on the surface. This man didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus' reputation hadn't yet spread to Jerusalem. Jesus comes on the scene. He doesn't know this guy who's walking up to him and asks him if he wants to get well. Uh, and, and so, but the question, do you want to get well, is an important question. Do you believe there are people that are broken that don't want to get well? 
Why is that? Why is that? Because their brokenness works for them in some way, shape, or form. Right? They, 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 they work it for their benefit in other ways. Now, I just talked to somebody after the service because I think, I think one of the first things when somebody's you know, in, in addiction and they've hit bottom or they think they've hit bottom and they go to recovery, the first question that I'm told they're asked is, are you done with that? Are you done with that? Are you done with that old life? Because they have to admit that they're powerless to get better. They have to admit they're sick. They have to admit that, do you want to change? If they don't want to change, if they don't want to get better, they could go through the program and go through the motions, but their, their willingness isn't in it. They're not really wanting to get better because all they, can want to, all they do is plan on getting back to their old life. There are some people that are broken that have been broken for so long, they don't know how to live whole. They wouldn't know how to live without their brokenness because that's all they know. They're more afraid of life well than they are of life with their brokenness. So Jesus asks the man, do you want to get well? You have to want to be whole. You've got to reach a point where you're saying, Jesus, I need you to touch me. Jesus, I can't do it without you. This man was powerless to heal himself. He was powerless to get in the pool and he couldn't get there. I need Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Until you realize your condition is desperate, you won't find the healing touch of Jesus. And I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking about spiritually and morally. Until you realize how lost you are, you really won't won't reach out to the touch of Jesus. So, So he asked him the question, but the man gives an answer by saying this, Sir, sir, he doesn't call him Jesus, he doesn't know who he is, Sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. In other words, yes, I want to be healed. I just can't do it on my own. Yes, I wish I could. Now, it's just, I imagine that picture. It's really kind of, my mind, my imagination goes crazy when I read the Bible. And I'm thinking, okay, so you have this pool surrounded by all these invalids. You have blind people. You have lame people. You have paralyzed people. You have deformed people. Whatever their condition is, it's not a pretty sight. And imagine the water stirs and everybody rushes to be the first to jump in. First of all, how does a blind person know the water stirs? I guess they might hear it. If a paralytic jumps in and they don't get healed... That's dangerous. <laughs> Are there lifeguards next to the pool of Bethesda? I mean, how do they get out? I, I don't know. This man was desperate. He was discouraged. He doubted he could ever get well. He was hoping against hope. He was giving up hope that he could ever get into the pool. He was looking for somebody to help him because he was helpless. And nobody was there to help this man. But Jesus walks on the scene. And I love that Jesus specializes in giving hope to the hopeless. Why did Jesus pick out this man? That's another question I have when I read this. Why didn't Jesus heal all the people that were there? I mean, that would have been a bigger miracle, right? Why does he go to this one person? Why doesn't Jesus heal everybody? 
Because, you know, people think that Jesus healed everybody. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't heal all the people there. He goes to this one man. And I find it interesting that he just goes to this one man. Why? Why? Maybe this man was the most hopeless case of all. Maybe he was the most desperate of all. After all, he'd been there for 38. He'd been in that state for all his life. And so he goes to the person that's the most hopeless cause. Do you know somebody that you think is hopeless? Do you think you're hopeless? Do you think you're a hopeless case? Do you think that Jesus can't heal you? Jesus can't change you? Jesus can't touch you? Jesus can't, can't do this miracle in your life? I want you to know that Jesus goes to the most hopeless cases. And he goes to this man who was probably among the most hopeless of the people that were there. Is there somebody that you know that is feeling like they're a hopeless case? Somebody that you are, are, are friends with or a family member and you think you've given up on them and they've given up on themselves. And maybe today Jesus is saying they're not hopeless. There's still hope there. And maybe you need to be the one to go to them and give them some hope. Because Jesus goes to this man and, he's, and he gives this man hope. And so this, this hopeless man Here's the words of Jesus. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Imagine, he's been on this mat for so long. And he's, here's these words. And I, you know, I'm the man, I'm thinking, are you crazy? Are you crazy? But all of a sudden, something must have happened to him. I don't know if all of a sudden muscles grew where there were no muscles because he had been so atrophied. He felt this surge of energy. The man must be thinking, could it be? What's happening to me? I've never felt this way. What's going on here? And at once it said the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. Praise God, Jesus healed the most desperate of the people that were there. And Jesus is still able to do that. The man was healed. He didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't even ask Jesus to heal him. That's interesting, isn't it? He healed him without even Jesus asking him to heal him. He, Jesus healed him and the man didn't even have any faith that, the man could, that Jesus could heal him. So, so our healing, how much is it dependent upon how much we are able to exercise faith or is it really a work of Jesus from top to bottom? Jesus did. He reached out. And he healed this. He didn't heal all of them. I don't know why. I don't know why Jesus doesn't heal everybody. But he healed this man. He healed him. And so this, we read this story. It's funny because there's a lot of parallels between this story and the story in Mark chapter 2. <clears throat> and remember in that story, there's another paralyzed man. And he couldn't get to Jesus. Uh, Jesus was teaching, Jesus was healing in a house full of people, and he couldn't get there, but, but he had friends that brought him on a mat. Remember that? His friends brought him to Jesus because they believed that Jesus could heal him. We don't know if the man believed that Jesus could heal him, but the friends brought him. And the friends brought him, they couldn't get in, so remember they got up on the roof, they opened the thatch roof, and they let the man down. And Jesus said to this man, man, your sins are forgiven. And then he said to him, rise up and walk. I always found that very interesting. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. In each story, a helpless paralytic is healed without asking. In each story, the healing wasn't necessarily about the healing, but it was about a higher purpose. And this is a key that I really want you to get here. 
In Mark's story, it was about Jesus demonstrating his authority to forgive sins. In John's story, it also has to do with Jesus forgiving sins, but it also is about Jesus proving to others that he was, he was God's son, that he was, he was from the Father. And we don't know why some are healed, and we don't know why some are not, <clears throat> but we do know that Jesus' purposes are always higher than our purposes, and that we come to Jesus not just for the healing, because I think there are a lot of people who the only time they talk to Jesus is when they need him to rescue them. They're not about really living a different life. They're not all about being whole. They're just in a desperate state and they want Jesus to to rescue them from their problem. And many times he does and many times he doesn't. But the thing is, the healing is never in the Bible about the healing. The miracle is never about the miracle. There's always events around it. It's about a higher message that Jesus is trying to send. And so when we're healed by Jesus, it's all about God receiving glory. It's all about increasing faith in other people. It's about demonstrating that Jesus is more than just about healing your bodies. Jesus is about healing your souls. He's about healing your hearts. He's about healing a broken culture, a broken society, a broken Community. Jesus is about something bigger than just your own physical problems. He's about something far bigger than that. Look at what it goes on to say. On that day, which this took place, it was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, tisk, tisk, tisk. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Imagine that. Let's stop there for a second. Imagine that. This guy has been an invalid for 38 stinking years. He gets healed. He gets up. He picks his mat and starts walking. And instead of everybody saying, wow, hallelujah, you shouldn't be doing that. It's the Sabbath. And this is the point of the miracle that Jesus is saying to these religious people, you know what? It's not about all your little laws. It's about God is here in this place and you don't even recognize him. God is among us and you don't even know it. And I want you to know that God is in this place. That's what the miracle was about. And so it goes on and it says, Jesus, oh, the man. So yeah, I like this. It's it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. It's his fault. I didn't know. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk, pick up the mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So here's the thing. Jesus' ways are always bigger than ours. They're higher than ours. He doesn't always heal how and when we want him to heal. And signs and wonders are always pointers. Signs point to something. And miracles and and things like that are pointers to something bigger and better. This physical healing of this man was a sign that Jesus was the promised one, was the Messiah. He was the one sent from God. And so this physical healing of this man was about this far deeper spiritual healing that all people needed. This man needed a physical healing. All people need a spiritual healing. And so Jesus is here to demonstrate 
I am here to bring this healing. Spiritual healing is far more important than our physical healing. Spiritual healing also is always guaranteed for the one who asks for it. You might not get your physical healing prayers met, but if you come to Jesus and you're honest about your spiritual condition and you reach out to Jesus to touch you, he always will forgive you. That is guaranteed. There is a prayer that will always be answered, and that is that prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I'm desperate before you. Jesus will always answer that prayer. And that's the demonstration. That's what this is all about. So, so notice what happens here. We're going to wrap it up here. The man went away and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. <clears throat> and so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. But in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's the point. Jesus was using this miracle to demonstrate that he was God. And he said, you know what? God is working today. God is working up until this moment. And I am always working. And you know what? Jesus is still working. Jesus is still today in this place, on this Sunday, Jesus, by the virtue of the Holy Spirit, is in this place. And he is working. And he can heal broken bodies, broken minds, broken spirits. Jesus is still at work. Do you believe it? Do you believe he's at work? Do you believe he's at work? Jesus is still at work. And so what we need to do is stretch toward Jesus as he stretches toward you. I love in that video, the, the patient reached out her hand and the doctor reached out his. And right now, I think Jesus wants to do that with you. I think Jesus wants to do that with me. He wants you to reach out your hand. He wants to reach out his hand. He wants to touch you. So where is your broken place? Where do you need the touch of Jesus? Because Jesus wants to touch you. He wants to reach out his hand and touch you. And so stretch out to Jesus who can heal you, heal you. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Would you bow your heads with me, please? We're going to pray in just a minute while we do. If you are one of the ones getting baptized, you need to change. You can, seek, you can slip out if you want to do that. But let's just bow our heads. Let's pray. I want you to imagine right now that we are at the healing pool. We are at Bethesda. We are at the place of mercy. And the perfect sacrifice has been made for you. The sacrifice for your sins. It says in Isaiah... It talked about this one who would come, the Messiah, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He would be pierced for our transgressions. He'd be crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And that healing is our spiritual healing most of all. But Jesus is still working today. He is still touching bodies. He's still touching minds. He's still touching spirits. 
And so today I want you to stretch out toward Jesus. Stretch your hand toward Jesus. If you're here today and you're saying, I, I need Dr. Jesus to touch me in some way, some way, whatever it is, would you just raise your hand up to Jesus right now? Just raise it up. All over the place. Jesus knows. Jesus is working. Jesus is in this place. Maybe you're here this morning and you know somebody else who's hopeless. And, and even now as I say that, you, you, their, their, their face, their you see their face in your mind's eye and somebody that needs prayer. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a friend. And you, you just, it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, this person needs you to pray for them today. Would you raise your hand up for that person? Would you do that? I believe Jesus is in this place. He's still working. He's still working. He's still working. I'll tell you what. If you raised your hand, either for yourself or for somebody else, why don't you just stand wherever you are? Just stand up wherever you are. Would you do that? I I want us to do something we don't do very often here. But if you're standing, there are people around you that are sitting, and there are people that are standing next to you. Those of you that have somebody standing near you, would you just stand up next to them and put a hand on their shoulder? Would you just do that? Just put a hand on their shoulder. Somebody, maybe you're standing already and... You need prayer, but somebody else needs prayer next to you. Just put a hand on their shoulder. Just put a hand on their shoulder. And we're going to pray for one another in this place, in this moment, in this moment. Let's just believe God. Feel free to step up if you want. We don't do this normally, but just take a moment and pray for that person that's next to you. Pray for that person that you're putting your hand on. Just do it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray. I pray for broken bodies. I pray for broken hearts. I pray for wounded spirits, Jesus. You know where we're broken. You know the broken places and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So Jesus, here is where I am weak. Lord, we pray for those weaknesses in our lives. We pray for those weak bodies, weak minds, weak spirits. Jesus, we pray right now for one another in the name of Jesus. It's not us who can heal, but it's Jesus who's the great healer. Jesus, touch right now as only you can touch us. Lord, we pray for those loved ones that we're thinking about. Jesus, we ask you to touch them. Oh God, just walk through this room and lay your hands on us, Jesus. We pray for healing. We pray for cancer to be gone. We pray for for, for relationships to be healed. We pray for wounds, God, that we can't even name to be touched by by the power of Jesus. Heal us, Jesus, from the inside out. God, may the healing waters of Jesus just pour over us and take away from us the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. Take away from us the addictions, the, the, the secrets that hold us back. Take away from us those things, Jesus, that we admit that we need a touch from you. God, do a work, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Let's thank him together, folks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. God, you're the healer. God, we need you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.